listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Work-life balance has been called unobtainable or even a myth by many business professionals. But today's guest, Dr. Travis Perry, has a different perspective. According to Dr. Travis and his 10 plus years of research, achieving balance is possible and it should be pursued by every entrepreneur. Dr. Travis is the creator of the Make Time Method, and he has devoted his life to researching the topic of work-life balance. This is a fascinating conversation that I personally learned a lot from, and I trust that it will also serve you well. With that said, here's my conversation with Dr. Travis Perry about achieving work-life balance in an overworked world. Dr. Travis, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Hey, thanks, Alex, for having me on. So your name and voice actually might be familiar to some of the listeners today, and that's because you and I actually co-led a Zoom call about being productive while working from home. It was extremely impactful, and actually some of the people who attended that call, that Zoom call that we did, actually still reference it today. So I want to say thank you so much for, for being part of that and also coming back and actually being on the show to just add value to the audience once again. So I appreciate you being here, man. Oh, thank you, Alex. I'm glad it was helpful, and it's an honor to be here. Today, we're actually going to go through some of the high-level points from your new book called Achieving Balance, which is actually currently available for pre-order, or depending on when you listen to it, it might actually be out. I know you're still working on that date, but we're getting real close here. So uh, yeah. today's a bit of a sneak peek because I actually haven't read this either, but I want to start off because of the, the name itself kind of caught my attention, which I'm guessing you hear quite a bit, but it has the word uh, Achieving Balance in it. Uh, balance, that word there is something that most business leaders say doesn't exist or you can't obtain it. I'm actually really interested is what made you decide to write a book on this topic? Such a great question, uh, Alex. And again, thanks for having me on. The The book is available at travisperry.com forward slash book for pre-orders you mentioned. And I'll tell you the the reason um, that I, I got this book, this the whole concept and idea is actually because uh, my father was 49 years old. He was a month away from his 50th birthday. We are thinking about plans to get together the whole family, have this big family reunion. And dad was really healthy. He was happy. He, he was successful. He was a pilot and a business owner. He was just doing all you know, the, the things in, in his time frame was a benchmark where he, you know, should be at. And, um, and all of a sudden one day I got about six phone calls all at the same time. If you ever get that and they're all from family members, if it, it, it just it can freak you out. And I thought, Oh no, something's happened. And I started thinking of the worst ever and actually it was the worst ever. My father, great health and everything actually passed away um, from a heart attack, literally dropped over dead um, on a mountain bike ride with a, a good friend of his. And he was an EMT, tried to resuscitate him. The helicopter came like to no avail. Everything was done for my dad, but it was too little and too wow. late. Um, so uh, that was in 2006, January of 2006, completely changed my life. I was a 26-year-old financial advisor trying to build a practice and eventually start a business. And uh, that completely rocked my world, man. Um, I got yeah. up in front of a group of about a thousand plus at my father's funeral. And uh, after all, my brother spoke and the eulogy was done by my uncle. 
I gave the the final talk up there and I had something prepared. I was ready to go. But when I got up there and I saw the sea of faces and I could see uh, the love and support of, of somebody like my father, the impact that he had on not just family, not just close friends, but community, clients, the world around him, I was just taken aback. And that moment, uh, with it, many other moments that followed, where I, I wrote my father's obituary and uh, helped my mom to essentially buy the casket, buy the plot, bury my father, uh, take care of the household for the next couple of years and help her relocate. Like All of that led me to really wonder about this whole work-life balance thing. Because at the end of the day, my father was in great health, uh, you know, had a massive heart attack and died uh, because of stress, because of mm -hmm. things that we never could see. We couldn't see it. It was this underlying issue. And so as I began to research stress and research uh, everything around it, you know, the physical health, the mental health, the relational, emotional um, through all of my research that I did, it came down to, it really boils down to this issue of work-life balance. Stress really boils down to, to this one issue for business owners. Um, but I will tell you, there's a myth around it. And I think you touched on this myth, Alex, and it's the myth that, um, you know, work-life balance, that there, that there is such a thing, right? So if I was to ask you, hey, Alex, what is work-life balance for you? And you were to ask me, well, Travis, what's work-life balance? We would have two different definitions. Mm -hmm. um, but most people think of work-life balance as doing everything at the same time and doing it all well, right? Spinning all of the plates, juggling all of the balls. The reality is that is a myth. It's a lie. You, it's not achievable. So then why would I write a book called Achieving Balance? <laughs> right. Why would I write a book about the myth? Of, like, why don't I just call it the myth of balance, Travis? Well, I, I, I understand. Um, it's because it obviously it's intriguing, right? My audience said this is the title you need to name it. Because I think there's some people chasing balance, chasing this idea of doing everything, you know, being like the Joneses or keeping up with the Kardashians, whatever you want to name it nowadays. Um, it's just, it's, it's impossible. Now, can we have it all? Yes, we can have it all, but not by doing it all at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And I'd say that you have a... a a great why for writing this book. Obviously, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about your father. I'm glad that something materialized from it that's been able to add value to others' lives, though, because you've devoted the last 12 or more years to your life that, that I'm able to even track back to to this topic, to being able to help people in this way. Um, so what you're sharing, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this today. Really quickly, how would you define the word balance? Great question. And, and thanks for, for uh, your condolences. And I think that uh, that experience and multiple experiences afterwards helped fuel the book, helped fuel the why that led to this discovery of what balance is. Mm -hmm. And so as I started to research, like, what is balance and what's the myths of, and, and, and is it really just time management? The number one thing that I find that most people do wrong is they set goals and they try to achieve everything all at once. You get overwhelmed, you get pushed back uh, because time's limited, right? That's the resource that we all have in common, 168 hours a week. We all have it the same, yet it's how we use it. It's what we do with it. Right. Um, so the way that I explain it to people is, is really about them. 
it's all about them. And that's why I said you have a different definition. I have a different definition, but it's how you use that time in, you know, on your calendar, your most important priorities. If you can be at the top of that prioritized list most of the time, then you're going to feel balanced. It's really about deep downside. Do you feel peace about what you did in your workday, in your weekend? Um, and typically, that usually comes from people that are in their top priorities. So, if Alex, if you were to say, well, well Travis, time with my wife, um, time, you know, working on fun hobbies and, um, and working out, those are like my top three. Okay, I'm just going with this, Alex. It's pretty close, uh, man. It's pretty yeah. close. <laughs> <laughs> I know you a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but if those were like your top three, and you were spending five hours a week or less in those activities, you would report to me that you don't feel balanced at all, right? Mm -hmm. um, but someone else um, who was like, "No, I'm spending the majority of my time, or at least a great deal of my time, and I do it first, and I it happens consistently." That's the key. Because in your mind, you are doing your most important ideas. And those plates that everybody else is running around trying to spin, um, they're, they're dropping all of those things that really uh, might be important to them. But they oftentimes are sacrificing the career plate. That career plate is still spinning. And you've got to spin it. You're a business owner. You've got to spin it. Right. But do you have to spin it 75 hours a week? Do you have to spin it 90 hours a week when you're getting things started? And some will say, well, yes, Travis, you have to. And I want to tell you, I built a six-figure business during COVID on 35 hours a week. I think that's BS. And the reason why is because if you're in your highest priorities most of the time, you will feel balanced. You'll actually be more productive at work and you will be better at home regardless, regardless of industry, regardless of profession, regardless of restrictions, because you're on your game. Yeah, you said something really interesting there that, that kind of stood out to me. You're able to do it in 35 hours a week. Some people just don't feel like they can. I mean, they're waking up every day already stressed out, going to bed, feeling like they didn't accomplish everything. What do you say to people to start being able to, to pull back a little bit from these things? Because maybe it's just a they're doing too much. You, you know, I don't know. Like what exactly would you say to somebody that's in that, in that space? Lots of things, but, um, I probably would ask a lot of questions. I spent a lot of time coaching and helping people make these changes. Cause these are big changes. Uh, most business owners, 72 hours a week is what they're working on average and they want to be at 41. So uh, I've done a lot of work in helping people be more productive. And this is the whole make time method, helping be more productive at work so they can invest that time into their personal life. Because if they're uh, you know, doing the, the, the things like we, we suppose that you were enjoying, like time with your wife, physical, you know, and fun and hobbies or something like that, that if you have that outside of work, you're actually more likely to be productive at work so that you can get things done quicker, so that you can be more effective. So you can spend more time, you know, kayaking, mountain biking, hiking, being, you know, spending time with your wife and kids, like what, whatever that is, those two go together. So um, a lot of business consultants will simply spend time talking about productivity. And there is another myth. This is myth number two, Alex, is that productivity alone is some kind of magic pill. I had a client who was a mortgage broker and he was just killing it. 
Um, and he told me, he's like, Travis, this last month, we've increased uh, our production by 1,500%. And he was doing great before. They figured out this niche and basically just working with people with almost perfect credit scores. And they could get things done in like a week or two, close them and get crazy amount of referrals because of it. Okay. And because they built this niche, they were just on fire. But this was a guy working 90 hours a week, five kids at home, says he loves them, wants to be with them, but essentially not spending time with them. What do you do if you're working 90 hours a week? You, you don't see your family. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked with him to help him get down to a reasonable, you know, 50 hours or so-ish. And he he looked at me at the end of the training when we were just working on time management productivity. And he's like, Travis, this is awesome. This is so good. I, I love this. However... Now I'm really worried. I'm like, Jeff, what are you worried about? He's like, I'm worried that I'm going to just be a productive workaholic. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that is the issue with the business consulting world and business systems alone. If you're just productive and if you're, you know, only working on, on a productivity aspect, you're going to miss out on the um, things that are happening at home. And you'll continue to say, well, now I'm productive at 50, man, I could make more at 90. It's just that it's that greed, right? It's that factor that keeps coming back to you and, and it, it'll build. So the answer to that myth, myth number two, is boundaries. You've got to set boundaries. Uh, boundaries meaning like time of when you're going to be at work, when you're going to open that laptop, when will you have your phone out? And when will you shut down your email, your phone calls from work? If you don't set your own boundaries, other people will. If you don't set your own boundaries, other people will, because they'll desire that time. They'll want it and they'll push you. And a lot of financial advisors and business owners I coach ask me all the time, well, Travis, I want to be available to people. I want them to know that I give great customer service. And it's that whole issue of, well, if you don't create boundaries, then when are you going to make time for you? When are you going to enjoy life, slow down and quit stressing out so you don't burn out and die? We'll get right back to today's episode, but first I wanna share the number one organic marketing strategy for growing your brand. It's called podcast guesting. Whether you're an established business owner or an entrepreneur that's just getting started, being a guest on podcast is the smartest marketing move that you can make. To help you become a successful guest, I've put together a 12-step guide for podcast guesting, which will explain everything from the gear you need to quickly finding the ideal podcast to be a guest on. If you'll visit creatingabrand.com slash guest, you'll be able to get started immediately. No email or registration required. I trust that this 12-step guide will serve you well in your podcast guesting journey. And now let's get back to today's episode. You said that we have to set our own boundaries or somebody else will set them for us. And I think that's really powerful because it is true. People don't know what your life looks like from an outside perspective. And I found that to be true. I come from a background of being that guy who wanted to be the most productive person on earth. And we've actually talked about this. I think that I was one of your case studies yeah. for, for this book or for one project you were doing at one point. Yes, I, I'm one of those guys that naturally, if I'm not watching my boundaries that I'm setting for myself, I can slip back into an overly productive person and ultimately a, a workaholic is what I can turn into. Uh, what do you say to somebody that's kind of in that area? How can they know how to set boundaries? Or do you just find that everyone automatically seems to know these things? 
Now, I think people know, like most business owners, most intelligent financial advisors I'm working with, they know. They know it's off because their internal compass tells them something's not right. But they keep pushing it off. They push it off for other reasons, and it may be fear. One of the biggest things I deal with is fear of failure or fear of success. I see fear of failure more. There are, there are many you know, uh, who, who suffer with fear of success, but fear of failure is they're doing something and they're motivated to do something because they're afraid of losing out, missing out, um, not having a success. And I've, I found, Alex, a lot of people when I do these interviews, like what you mentioned, um, tend to talk about their high school years or when they were a kid and how this related to how their parents wrote, you know, raised them and uh, maybe even experiences in college and things like that. But most of us have these fears and they drive us. In fact, some, as I point these out, they go, well, Travis, that, that fear of failure, that's actually driven me. That's, that's made me who I am business-wise. I said, yeah, it's so true, but it's only driving you because you fear it more than your motivation. When you love your motivation and you really resonate with that, you can let go of the fear and say, see ya, I'm done. I'm done with you. Thanks for motivating me, but let me move on because now you're holding me back. And it's a really weird, uh, it's like a bad relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I hate you. Like, <laughs> leave me alone, but I want you. Like, it doesn't make sense uh, logically. It's because it's subconscious. And uh, until we can really identify those fears and find out what's inside of them and unpack it, um, you really don't know. Because um, consciously, you can tell yourself every day, I'm good looking. I've got success. I, you know, um, things are great. But uh, subconsciously, we unfortunately have these fears that, that hold us back, keep us where we're at, and we may actually even be driven by them to be an, a workaholic, to make up for, to show the world, um, to make it, right, or, 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 or prove to ourselves even. And so it's kind of working um, uh, against each, each other. It's working against yourself, and that, in effect, is what... Um, psychologist called cognitive dissonance, which is one of the greatest sources of stress. So I would say that that's, that's a usually a very big um, a place where I focus on initially with my clients and with others I help is I really kind of identify where this fear is coming from. Actually, the definition of fear is really just the unknown, right? It's what we don't know that's ahead of us. And I think that so many people that are in the business world, we entrepreneurs as well, a lot of a lot of the creating a brand audience, they are just getting started in their journey. And it's the fear is because it's unknown what's next, right? And we kind of think that we'll hit a milestone and feel like, okay, now I can breathe. But the truth is, at least for me, I don't know how it is for you, Dr. Travis, but I've never actually found that that line where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm finally comfortable, things are moving on their own. You always I think this just internally the way we're wired, we always want more. So you have to just set this from day one. You can't really just say, okay, I'm going to just be as productive as I can be a workaholic, but just for four years until it's yeah. really stable and really strong. And then I'll stop because that moment never really presents itself. You have to make a choice to do this. Would you agree with that? 100%. Um, I've, I've been in the beginning of the financial advising career and that's what they said. Work hard, essentially be a workaholic for five years and it'll all pay off. Um, 
I, you know, transferred, transferred out of that in, into academia as I was looking for answers about work-life balance and my father's health and other things. And it took me to a different um, career path. And as I was in academia, that's exactly what they said. Work really hard for five years. You'll get tenure at a university and then you can relax. Um, I, I have a brother who's a lawyer. I know that that's what they teach them there. You work hard <laughs> and the story is the same. You'll get partner and everything will be okay. Well, those of you who have a side hustle, you're starting a business. That's the idea is if I could just work hard, if I could just work this business and that one, eventually, you know, this will all pay off. And, and I hope it does. But the reality is if you don't set those boundaries, what time you're going to put into it, you're just going to continue to let that be your number one motivation. Most people I do these exercises with Alex, career is five, six, maybe seven on the list of 10. Like consistently, I've never, ever seen it be the top motivator for anyone. When they get real with themselves, the fear of failure, the fear of loss might be driving them to work hard, but it's never their number one motivator. That's really interesting. But so many of us, we, we position it that way though, right? Absolutely. Yep. And all of it, when we say, if I say, Hey, let's talk about goals. Most people will be like, okay. Yeah. Business goals. I got those. Yeah. But what about, what about your personal goals? What about your relationship goals? Do you have health goals? Do you have these other areas? Do you have goals to have fun? <laughs> Some people are like, right. no, I just have fun. Yeah. I, I have a friend and everything is fun with him. You know, it's just nonstop fun. Like he doesn't need a goal for that. But some people like, you know, again, workaholics do. You need that. You need to set that up so that you have time to do it. And I think, um, honestly, Alex, this, this kind of bleeds into the third myth that I bring up in the book, if I may. Yeah. And that is that personal development, trying to make changes, trying to do things on your own. This is touted in the business world and consulting oftentimes is kind of the end all be all that personal development is the end all be all. And this is the third myth. In fact, this is why I did a PhD. Um, I could have stopped in my master's and as I've studied work-life balance and stress, I, I really had enough information and, and, and researched it to do what I was doing. And, but uh, there was one piece, the piece that was left was this relationship piece. I got a little taste of it in psychology, but not enough. And I just knew I needed to get more here and, and get the PhD and be done and test this. Because I found at the end of my master's degree, there was a, a, um, a research article in my final paper that I had to submit. Uh, I, I kind of one night, I remember pulling this up going, where in the world was this? Just published a few months ago, hot off, you know, the research articles that I'm sure that we all read all the time, right? Yeah, baloney. Um, and <laughs> and yeah, was, sure. <laughs> we get our research from radio, let's be honest. So as I was reading this, uh, as I, I uh, contemplated the article, it was about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Does that strike a chord? Does that sound familiar at all to you? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So most people kind of know the hierarchy of needs at the very bottom, you need food, shelter, clothing, et cetera. And maybe you need, re you know, relationship with other people. And eventually at the top of Maslow's hierarchy was this idea of, of self actualization. And mm -hmm. it's this idea that we reach this pinnacle in life that boom, we found it. We've made it. We have somehow got our life calling, whatever you want to, you know, identify it as. Um, the psychologist in 2012 said, 
let's retest this theory. This is 1950s material. Mm-hmm. And so they got together, and I want to make this really clear. These are not family people. These were not social workers. These are psychologists. And they looked at the individual systems of, of, of people, and they found that actually Maslow was wrong. At the top of the pyramid that we desire the most in our life, the things that drive us and motivate us, is not self-actualization. It is relationships. Our number one motivator is to be a parent, to have offspring, to provide for the next generation. And number two was to have a mate and to keep that mate. And I find that to be so interesting. That's kind of what drove me into figuring out what's going on with relationship stuff. Like I want to prevent divorce. I want to help people that way, but there's something else going on here. And what I found as I started to do the research and test my theory is that couples who had good relationships and were healthy couples, not only you know, did, did the chance of divorce go down, but when they had the same values and goals, Alex, when they were going the same direction, they actually were happier individually. Of course, they had better relationships, but they also achieved their financial goals more often frequently than those who couples weren't on the same page. So I started to test this with couples and found as I helped them to increase their um, shared goals and their shared values, that um, they were able to improve all areas of life. And now as part of the make time method, not only do I help people to be more productive at work and help them have a life outside of it so that they can love going back and achieve their, their goals, but in the middle of these two areas is actually a spouse. And that spouse I found is the number one person that can help a workaholic to keep boundaries, to stay prioritized, and um, to, to have a good relationship. So what I actually do with people is I don't just coach them alone. I actually usually coach them with their spouse involved uh, or, or a family member if they're not married, somebody close to them. Um, who can really help this person to move through this method, get more productive, have a better goal achievement outside of work, but it typically takes the two. Wow, this is kind of um, shattering a little bit to uh, to conventional wisdom in this space. Uh, the fact that personal development is in everything, and and I have to say, for me, for many years, that has been the case. I've felt that you know what, it's it's all about personal development. Can I can continue to discover self mastery for what Alex Sanfilippo needs to become the optimal version of myself, right? Like a lot of big words, there. that's what people talk about and use. But the more I just think about what you're saying right now, because I'm kind of in shock at the moment hearing this, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm listening, but I think about it when I, the creating brand audience knows this, I'm a, I can be a bit of a workaholic, I can be a bit of an overachiever. Those are things that are just natural tendencies of mine. However, if I'm going to go out and play, if I'm going to make a beach day, go play soccer, it's normally because my wife is saying, hey, you've worked really hard. You deserve a break. Yeah. And in a very loving way, she's been able to push me to do those things. And exactly like you're saying, I see that reflected in my work. When I come back to my work, to the things that, that I'm, I'm, any project I'm working on, anything that I'm, that I'm in the middle of, when I come back after separating myself from that and enjoying the, the, the personal life that I, that I love to have that often I'll just push aside like many people. But when I come back from actually doing that, I come back a much stronger person, better ideas, more clarity, and more energy, uh, to be completely frank with you here. But I think that you're really onto something here that many of the, the listeners today have probably never heard or even considered before. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I, I think that's why I want to put this all this content in the book and why it's it's taken me 12 years to do this. I had to learn <laughs> it, you know, I had to experience it. I had right. to actually go out and test this with individuals, with couples. And that doesn't that, that isn't something that just happens overnight. And Alex, back to your original idea of personal development and doing this on your own, it is a, you know, that's like a billion, a $3 billion industry. Um, so I'm not trying to, to break down that tower. In fact, I actually believe that most personal development, even though we call it personal development, we're doing it with a coach. We've bought a book. We're listening to somebody else. You're listening to this podcast. I don't think development is ever 100% personal. Yes, there's some mm. improvement, but no one is an island. We all learn from each other. We go to Google. What do we think? We're some kind of amazement. No, we're building on the shoulders of giants. That's their motto. I mean, research, I have to go and study everybody that's ever done anything on family and human development for my PhD in the last 50 years before I can come up with anything new. So I, I think that this idea that somehow we develop personally on our own 100% is, is, is truly detrimental. Um, but those who work together, who, again, as a couple, develop, um, once they're able to get rid of being a workaholic, getting that workaholic in order in their life, then they can work towards all of these other goals, physical health, mm -hmm. um, relational health, finances. They can do that together. And the odds of then being able to complete those and reach your goals are so much greater than alone. That's great. Dr. Travis, this was a cool episode. It was kind of like a Mythbusters episode. <laughs> redefining uh, what it means to achieve balance. So I, I thank you for that. Before we end today, I'd love to hear if you have one final piece of advice or wisdom for the audience today on the topic of achieving balance. Number one, I mean, balance is all about reaching your goals. So this is what this is all about. Um, when, when I first mentioned, you know, my father passing away, I really had a moment where uh, about two weeks in, I sat down and I looked at dad's obituary. I looked at some other goals that he had. And I had this aha moment to myself as a 26 year old kid going, man, Travis, if you were 50 and you passed away, would people be able to say what they did about you like they did for your dad? Would, they, would mm. you be able to look back and say, I did it? I accomplished it. Or are you slowing yourself down? Are you getting in your own way? And I knew then and there, Alex, I just knew then. I'm like, oh man, I have to make some huge changes. If you're listening to this and you're going, gee, I really need to make some change. I'm afraid to make change. I'm afraid to do these things. Take action now. Whatever that is, it's buying the book, it's talking to your spouse. If it's making some business decisions that you know you should, but you haven't, do it. When you take massive action and you do it right away, then you open your life for things that will come. When I decided to write this book, it was 12 years ago. It really took me until March 22nd of this year to make the decision that I'm writing the book. And once I told the world on March 24th, it got going. It, I, I, I got a number one, sold a number one best-selling, you know, pre-ordered book. Um, I've built the business the way I want it to be in a season where most people are just struggling and work-life balance has turned upside down. I've been able to do this. But again, it, it's not it's not all me, Alex. I didn't do this on my own. Uh, my wife is amazing. Right. She's supportive. I would just say to everybody, take action now. Do something. Put it in place. Work toward your goals 
how big, however small, and you will have such a greater you know, life balance um, than others who are just trying to make a buck. I love it, man. All of us, we just love action with this podcast, the Creating a Brand Audience. We are action takers. So I thank you for that call to action for us today. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Travis. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex. I don't know about you, but I have never heard anyone talk about work-life balance the way that Dr. Travis did in this episode. I hope that you learned as much as I did. And I also want to mention that I greatly appreciate how transparent Dr. Travis was with just sharing his story and how he learned so much about balance over the years. I'd love to continue talking about work-life balance with you because it's such an important topic. So if you will, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 069, then scroll to the bottom and answer this question in a comment. What practical action have you taken to maintain balance in your life? I'll be reading and responding to all comments. Dr. Travis, thank you again for being a guest and busting the myths around achieving balance. To learn more about Dr. Travis Perry and to pick up a copy of his book, Achieving Balance, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 069. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.